0: Let us pray. Our good and gracious God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege of gathering together as your children. A chance to open the book, to seek your guidance. To confess our sins, to seek renewal, and to give thanks. God bless this community, what it represents and what it stands for, and its work in your world. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to thank the musicians for so beautifully leading worship this morning. I want to thank Dr. York for a very kind and gracious introduction. I was slightly disappointed, not that you introduced me, but that Matt Snowden didn't introduce me because Matt and I have a, a sort of arrangement. Um, It seems by some people's accounts when I speak that I have a bit of an accent as if I were from a certain part of the state of Texas, namely the Panhandle. And the contrast between Meridian, Mississippi, Matt Snowden, and Amarillo, Texas, Darren Davis, if Matt introduces me, I end up sounding a little bit like a Shakespearean actor. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was actually teased and made fun of growing up as a young youngster. You know, when kids in Amarillo, Texas, tease you for your Texas accent, that is a sure sign that something has gone amiss. My parents owned a Western store for many years in Amarillo and actually uh, had me on the radio for a number of years doing commercials. So they found a way to take my Texas accent and actually commercialize it in a certain sense, and I'm still trying to get over that. (laughs) Maybe that's why I had to get a PhD in philosophy. I'm so grateful for the chance to be a part of this community and to teach at this seminary. So I thank you for that, and I thank you for your presence here this morning. The message I want to deliver this morning, I've titled, Lord, Are You Looking at Me? And those who have already proclaimed the scripture and you know the story, we have quite a story presented before us, quite a vision Oh, what a vision. Isaiah's words, so simply stated, cannot hold the vision. They cannot convey the enormity of the moment. I saw the Lord, glory, holy. Truth, power, goodness, beauty, majesty, creator of all that is, everlasting. Up on a throne, before me, not down there, not over there. Not face to face, but up there, the train of his robe filling that holy place. God is here. God is here this morning. Lord, are you looking at me? A promise of our faith expressed by Jesus Christ on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor of heart for what they shall see, Jesus. And all around the Lord, the seraphim, those burning ones, with six wings. Two covering their faces, two covering their feet, two wings propelling them incessantly, crying. Praising God, holy, 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 in this place here and everywhere. Everywhere on the earth, there is glory. And crying and praising so loud that the door shakes and smoke fills the temple. And seeing it all, and knowing that God is indeed here, here, Isaiah, his heart must have been pounding out of his chest. He must have been thinking, Lord, are you looking at me? And there he stands, by himself, apart from God, but in awe and in wonder and outright fear. Taking it all in. Lord, if you're looking at me, and Lord, I think you are looking at me, I'm undone. I'm finished. You can see right through me, Lord. You know me for all that I am. There's nowhere to hide, nowhere to run. You see all I am and all I am not. And I have to come to terms with that, Lord. It's time for me to confess. I've sinned. I bear iniquity. So do my people. I see you there, Lord. I'm not worthy. I'm finished. I'm done. Woe is me, sinner that I am. Confession. And oh, how gracious God is when he hears Isaiah's confession. Those beautiful, flying, crying, angelic creatures minister to him personally, they come up close. They take that live coal from the altar and they touch those lips and they erase that iniquity, they purge that sin. Forgiveness offered, forgiveness received. And then a question from God that is a question for us this morning. It's a question of our whole lives. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Lord, are you looking at me? A sinner redeemed, now sent out for a divine purpose. Isaiah knows now, yes, Lord, you are looking at me. And yes, Lord, Send me. Send me, Lord. Here I am. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I am absolutely convinced that this extraordinary story of Isaiah's commissioning teaches each and every one of us this morning through the person of Isaiah about our own preparation and discernment and response to God's calling. We risk so many things. Among the things we risk is domesticating the idea of vocation. So that calling becomes a kind of hackneyed phrase. It's something repeat over and over and over again and it loses its meaning. Or we say the only ones who really ought to pay attention much to this question of vocation and calling are those who are being prepared in a certain way, particularly the young. That question rests with us all the way through our lives. Independent of age, independent of circumstance, God has placed a call on each of us. And there are three things this morning that I want us to prayerfully consider that we might learn from Isaiah's example in these passages about responding to God's call. I think we must not lose a sense of what it is to be in awe of God. God. I don't think we can lose that. I think we have to cultivate that. I think we have to pray for that. I think it's real easy to lose a sense of awe and to lose a sense of wonder and to forget that fear of God is the beginning of wisdom.
1: Isaiah
0: so powerfully exemplifies for us this awe. he so powerfully exemplifies the proper recognition of God's sovereignty that he loved us into existence and he calls us forward to a divine purpose. There's not a square inch of creation that God did not make so. And it is in this recognition of God's sovereignty and this sense of awe and wonder that Isaiah responds with humility. Humility is not hanging your head low. Humility is not a shuffle of the feet and an all shucks. Humility is a right recognition of our place in the world up and against God. It's knowing we're not God and knowing that God calls us. And it is out of that humility that we understand our calling. I genuinely believe that we run the risks not so much of denying God's sovereignty, although we can do that, but we ignore it. Or we cover ourselves up with so many self imposed distractions that we flat out miss the opportunities. To see God in our midst. You know better than I do the ways in which we come and go to and fro, attention here and attention there. We're everywhere and nowhere. And some of this comes to us and some of this we cultivate. It's really hard to have a proper understanding of of God's presence in everything if we're constantly just trying to keep our heads above water. Notice that Isaiah is silent as he encounters God. Think for a minute about how hard it is for many of us to listen, to receive, to watch, to not wallow so much in our own activities and our own adulation. I came through this very chapel last night on the way out to the garage. I was puzzled a bit about a few things that I wanted to say this morning.
1: And I came through
0: about twilight, and this place was empty, but the doors were open. It was dark the brightest thing I could see was the light shining through that stained glass. Jesus Christ on the cross, hands held out, a savior for the sinners. I'd never seen it that way. I just came in stood there and I was quiet and it occurred to me that in my coming and going out of this place I hadn't really looked I hadn't really seen I hadn't really heard there are times that we're called to speak there are times in ministry where you have to get up and say something Particularly if you're a preacher. I think, brothers and sisters, that we need to talk less and say more. We need to talk less and say more. The second thing that I want us to prayerfully consider is this with Isaiah, we need to pray. For and cultivate in ourselves as we can a spirit of confession. For it is by the grace of God that we will be renewed daily to a purpose greater than ourselves. I had the privilege of knowing up close two men who recovered. I say that only in the past tense because they're both gone. Recovered from alcoholism. Most alcoholics, when you talk to them in their process of staying sober, in the recovery process of sobriety, won't say i have recovered. They say I'm recovering. These two men that I knew were my grandfather and my father. Among the things that I learned from my dad in his own recovery process through Alcoholics Anonymous, was this. The fourth step is the call to do a fearless and searching moral inventory. And I'd never quite thought of it in these terms until I read these passages, but that was deep-seated confession. And his life was up against it. It was either going to be one more drink or the end of his life. And I'll never forget the time in which he came into my room and I was about 12 years old and he said, Darren, I have to make some amends for the things that I have done wrong. And I need to apologize to you, son. And I know this because I've looked on the inside and prayed through this as well as I could and called these sins out by name. And he did not wallow in those sins, but he called them out, and it was a spirit of not only confession but renewal. I want to change. I want to do something different. One of the most beautiful lines in C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity is the one in which he describes our pursuit of virtue, when we realize that we can't pursue it alone. That is, God is going to have to help us renew the inside. And Lewis says, God blesses those who just seek that, who just want that, who just want to change. Sometimes that's enough because that can lead to the renewal, and it reminds us, or it ought to, that we're not in control, and God is. The final thing I want to prayerfully consider with you this morning is this. Each of us need to be ready to take a single step In the direction of Christ's leading. A single step. Notice how Isaiah responds to God's question. He knows not where or when. God did not provide him a map or a color brochure. But he's ready to go. Here am I. Send me. But now here is something that I have experienced in my own life. I think I spent the first 40 years of my life thinking about the next 10 years. I was just programmed to think that I had to have a 10-year plan about everything, about where I was going to go to school and what degrees I would receive and what kind of positions I might want to take maybe even what my family would look like. And it occurred to me in my 40th year, after I had experienced some things like having people around you who you love the most go on to heaven, or some illness that had me walking on a cane for about six months. There were a whole lot of things that I figured out It just reminded me I needed to recalibrate. I needed to to tap the brakes. I needed not to worry so much about 10 years down the line. I might not have 10 years down the line. I'm sorry it took me 40 years to figure that out. A lot of you are probably a lot quicker than I am. But it took me my first 40 years. Isaiah is going to step out one step at a time. That's what God requires of us. That first step's a doozy sometimes. But don't get paralyzed about the rest of the story. The church needs you, friends, the world needs you. Just do. Just go. Don't wait. Oh, heed advice and good counsel from those who are around you. Have friends who support you and challenge you. Steep yourself in the gospel message. Realize, too, not everybody's going to get it, that it is what you're doing. Not everybody's going to get it. Don't think that you need to win a popularity contest when you're trying to follow God's will. There are a few things that are going to be between you and God, I honestly believe. You would certainly want to try to articulate that for those who are closest to you and who love you. But there's some things about the calling that are between the caller And the called. Seemed like that was what was going on in part with Isaiah. I looked at that glass last night and I thought to myself, Lord, are you looking at me? And I came to the conclusion, yeah, God is looking at me. And I come to the conclusion this morning, too, that God's looking at you, too. Let us pray. Our good and gracious God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to hear you and to respond to your call as you lead us. And God, you plant people next to us that help us understand what that means. And thanks be to God for that. But help us respond. Help us not be paralyzed by the enormity of the task as we see it, but just to take a single simple step to do your will in our lives and in the lives of your world. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.